All right. Welcome to the third episode of uh, Joella Jonathan, a podcast about random topics that we think about and text, about, text each other about during the week and, and decide what we want to talk about. I think they're fascinating personally. I love doing these. I hope people enjoy listening to them as much as we enjoy doing them. Yeah. After Since last week, we've actually increased by two more listeners. Two more listeners. I think we're up to seven now. Seven listeners. Seven whole we're listeners. Killing it, bro. Killing it. There's a verse in the Bible that says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. No, I will not. No despising here. No des- despisation. Disposition. Despis- yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. So we, we talked about this last week that we were thinking about making our next episode about humor because we we both love humor. I think we're both funny. I think we're both funny as well. I think that's actually a key in humor is you have to think it's funny. If you don't think it's funny, then you probably are not going to say it in a humorous way. That's true. There are though people that just have really bad timing. Yeah. There's funny stuff you just say it at the wrong time. That makes for what we call... Awkward humor. Awkward humor, which is yeah. another form of humor. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, well, you 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 promised to talk about your time when you tried to learn humor, and I <laughs> I I think I remember living through that, but I'd like to hear it again, and I think our listeners would too. Yeah. Um. Somehow I got it in my head. well. Okay, here's what happened. I started doing some public speaking, <laughs> and it was I would say funny things. People would laugh. It's isn't it like the best high whenever people laugh at your joke in front of like when you're speaking in front of a group of people? Most of the time. When when they laugh at my sad stories, it's not <laughs> it's not the best. But uh, now I just preface it by saying, Can I tell you guys a sad story? Please don't laugh at me. And this. then they usually just laugh that I'm gonna tell them a sad story. But anyway, uh, so I started doing that, I thought, man, what makes so then I thought I should start incorporating jokes into my talks, like maybe a sermon on Sunday. And but every time I would try to do it, it would it would fail. So it was all the randoms, kind of on the fly, the stuff I'd come up with that was funny, but I could not plan humor. So I thought, what do you? What does it take to plan humor? So I went out and bought a bunch of books. Mm-hmm. Which is typically your approach to anything that you want to do, which is cool because I'm the exact opposite. I just try it and then find out that maybe I accidentally stumbled onto something that you already learned in a book like two years ago. Yeah, that's it's an introvert thing. Speaking of that, we should do a show on We should do a show about introversion versus extroversion. Okay, write that down. But I, so I read, read this book and I read this one book, I think it was called The Comedy Bible, a lady named Judy Carter. She's a famous teacher of comedy. And so I started reading how to do it and I started planning these uh, jokes. J- jokes. You know, jokes. Oh, and, yes. Yeah, jokes. I think I'm and familiar with that. It would not work. So then one of the things she says in the book is you have to set up a date to go to an um, open mic night and mm-hmm. do it. And, did I, you ever end up doing that? I remember you saying you well, were wanting to. Well, I tried out to. my stuff in staff meetings, and it bombed horribly. So, um, Well, because this is how you would introduce it. Hey, guys, I want to try a joke on you. So you ever notice that, and then you would just say something really dry. Well, there was a really – so I had a really good bit. I thought it was a very good bit. It was about there was a, they were ditching this, a dredging this ditch in our neighborhood. Which is inherently funny, dredging ditch. You got the alliteration, ditch. and yep. ditch is kind of a funny word. Yeah, so there, there are all these displaced turtles displaced. all over the neighborhood. And you got another D there, displaced. Displaced, d- d- dredged ditch turtles. Yes. And uh, I thought it was a pretty funny bit, and so I practiced it and practiced Because, you know – Do you remember the bit? All I remember is it involves somehow a turtle dancing around with his shell in his hand saying, Shell, no, I won't go. 
Oh, yeah. You remember that? Well, so I think the problem there was that you were trying to do puns in a stand-up comedy routine, which puns are not a stand-up comedy device. Yeah. Have you noticed that? Well, and then I was thinking, and I mean, I, so I'm trying to envision it, what would be funny, and then I thought, this, what if she was, the, the turtle had a shell in the air, waving in the air and saying, our house is in the middle of the street. Yeah. See, I don't know why that's not funny because I actually read a book and uh, there was this formula that he gave for how to make something funny, like the elements of humor. Mm -hmm. And it actually fits all those elements, but I don't know why it's not funny. I think you just proved his theory. See, I can't. So it's really hard for me to. But what's fascinating is is if you study uh, comedians, they have. Which I study comedians. Do you remember when we were at, at Saddleback and that guy Thor Ramsey? Yeah, they had a, a comedy night, and he basically got up and said, "Hey guys, I'm doing this gig for free, so you're gonna learn. You're gonna, I'm gonna try out some of my new stuff." And he had a notebook in his hand, and he'd tell a joke, and if we didn't laugh, he'd be like, "That didn't work," and he'd write it down. And he said he's testing out new material on us, and I didn't realize every comedian has to do that. Oh yeah, I saw a documentary about Seinfeld recently, yes. and he had this just notebook filled with yellow pieces of paper of all the jokes that he's ever written in his life. Uh, was that the one where after his show he decided to start from scratch throughout all of his old material and then he started over again? No, I think it was it was it was just recently. I think it was on HBO or something. I just recently saw it. It just came out. It oh, was okay. like uh, Jerry before Seinfeld or something like that. Oh, okay. But uh it was pretty fascinating, but yeah, I mean there there is I think there is definitely a a, a um a, a an approach to humor and I think different people have different ones. One, one one approach that I love is this guy, Scott Adams, he wrote this comic strip called Dilbert. Yep. I don't know if you ever remember that. Yeah. Um, it's It was basically office place humor. And he, was, he wasn't he was even writing a book about humor, but he in this random book he wrote that was really funny, he basically talked about his formula for humor. And he says there are basically six elements of humor. And the key to humor is to combine any two of these six elements, and you have something that's kind of inherently funny. So what are the six? So the six elements are uh, cleverness, cuteness. What, what, would, what would qualify as clever? Well, so clever would be like a pun. That's clever. You're like, oh, that's clever. I so we've really got a lot of that. clever humor. We, we rely heavily on clever humor. Uh, so maybe we're a little one-sided. So it's a little one-sided for sure. And that's why sometimes like a pun by itself does not actually it's not actually funny. Because it needs another element. So then you add cuteness. So like a puppy. I'm that too. Well, <laughs> maybe more maybe more a puppy telling a joke and would I'm be funny. And I'm wearing a Hello Kitty shirt. Oh, yes. <laughs> no. It doesn't get cuter than that. <laughs> Joelle's wearing a Hello Kitty shirt. Imagine that. That'll get you some laughs. But yeah, so cuteness. And that's why Dilbert has a lot of little animals in, in the comic strip. Because it's oh, inherently yeah, yeah, cute. Yeah. Uh, bizarreness. Which a dog talking is already bizarre, so that's an element of humor. Cruelness or meanness, if you're being cruel to an animal. Well, animal cruelty is never funny, guys. Cruelty to animals. Ooh, that's funny. <laughs> okay, well, cruelty in, in a different, in a, in a more clever way. So you combine cruelty with cuteness. And wait, then- wait, cruelty meaning. Like, kind of coarse humor. Yeah, being mean to someone. So, like, a dog uh, kicking a cat. So, okay, Garfield sending Odie to Abu Dhabi. Or was it Nermal? Garfield always sending Nermal to Abu Dhabi uh, in the Garfield comics was was cruelty and cuteness. The cuteness, was, the cute so, thing was doing the cruel thing. So, animal on animal cruelty Animal on animal is cruelty funny. is fine. But human on animal, there's, there's a pecking order that you got to go with. That's a whole nother book. It is a whole nother book. He didn't yeah, get into that. I was really disappointed. Surgery. I should probably send him an email. I'd be happy to hear about that. So then basically a cheetah running down a gazelle could potentially be humorous. 
If it was a baby cheetah. Running down. What's the second element of that that would make it funny? The, oh, the cuteness. Oh, a baby cheetah. A baby cheetah. Running down a big gazelle. Running down a big and gazelle. And ripping its guts out. And then ripping it to shreds. That would be funny. Would be hilarious. I think you're missing the point here. Oh, okay. It's not inherently... It's it, it's it's a starting point for humor. A starting point for... Okay. <laughs> okay, so the fifth one, though, is uh, naughtiness. So that would be um, something either using a bad word, which a lot of comedians nowadays rely heavily on. Yeah. Or um, I've noticed that when they're not really funny, they just say a bunch of bad words. You just say a bad word and then it's funny which is kind of actually makes it not naughty whenever it's so common that it's no longer really that bad anymore um and then the, the sixth one is recognizable and so i think what you were missing a little bit in your stand-up comedy might have been the recognizability of it because a lot of people have never seen a turtle without a shell um i don't know if i have either so i think that's just one of those if you could probably draw it they might actually really laugh so it's not recognizable. So anyways, the point is you combine any two or three of those elements and you potentially have a funny joke. So like whenever I think about my favorite joke of all times, it actually has those. Should I tell you my favorite joke? Let's hear it. Let's hear it. I think you've heard this, but maybe our listeners haven't. So there's a, a girl uh, going grocery shopping and she she gathers all of her stuff. She goes to the checkout counter and, and the, the checkout guy's ringing her up and he sees she has a little portion of meat, a little portion of milk little portion of vegetables and the checkout counter guy so he looks at her looks at her items and he says you're single aren't you and she gets real bashful and she's like yeah how could you tell and he says because you're so ugly <laughs> cruelty cruelty that's animal on animal cruelty <laughs> and uh and it's it's uh unexpected but i guess that'd be um cleverness because it was unexpected so yeah. unexpected also can be clever uh, recognizable and it was cruel so that would be the three elements of that joke and why it makes it so funny to me because the, the cleverness was the unexpected nature of it yeah and it was obvious but then uh it was it was and cute because you probably imagine the girl being really bashful and this, you know cute little yeah, okay, single so girl let me ask you this though that's a kind of an offensive joke I've never had someone not react in a in a way to that where it was usually like you know because there's different reactions to a joke like a groan is actually as good as a laugh and actually that guy Thor said that that at that Sandham comedy thing a groan is as good as a laugh. Oh, did he say that? He did. So any reaction is still valuable to me. So it registered something in their head. Something got shaken loose in them, <laughs> and the the humor was effective. Okay, so what about like? When you can't plan humor, that's the thing. There's some, like I feel like when I get up, I, every time I try and plan humor into a talk or a message, it flops. But when I don't plan it, it works. It's just funny stuff comes up. What's that? Well, I think that's sometimes just crowd sensitivity, understanding that you know, man, they're not with me right now, so I need to do something that's going to relate to them. You, oh yeah, you but see I've gotten that responding. wrong. Oh man, I've gotten that wrong before. Well, then I don't know. I mean, I'm not an expert on humor. I was speaking. To, I was speaking at an event recently, and I was making fun of a youth pastor. <laughs> and um, I just youth pastors are funny. You're making fun of a specific youth pastor, or just youth pastors as a concept? Uh, this youth pastor and the way he would dress, and I would make fun of it. And I, all these people were just like scowled at me. And afterwards, I asked. I said, "What? What? what are, you know, they didn't like that. Everybody laughs at that joke." And he said, "No." This crowd is a bunch of folks that come from the Catholic background, and you don't make fun of what they call a man of the cloth. And so you've done something horribly offensive. He said, you know, you don't, in this this specific culture, you don't make fun of um, 
your somebody's mother or a man of the cloth. I thought, oh man, I flopped really bad on that. But then some, some, so I mean, it is interesting that culturally, socioeconomically too, humor makes a difference. Uh, and that, yeah. that book in this book, uh, Crossing the Tracks for Love, she talks about that. Joelle's going to get the book right now. Hence she, the radio silence. She talks uh, radio <laughs> silence. We're gonna get turned off. We're, if they're with us at this point, they're not gonna turn us off because um, it's gotten bad already. Unless that joke just really offended them that I just said, and then they're they're shutting it off. Yeah. So she talks about humor, in, and she says in the hidden rules of class among the classes, she says in poverty, humor is typically about people or sex. It says in the middle class, it's about situations. Which is, I guess, where sitcom comes from, situation, situation comedy. comedy. So it's comedy for the middle class. And then wealth, in wealth, humor is about social faux pas. Mm. I guess that's, oh my gosh, can you believe she wore that? Oh my gosh. Or among uh, white girls with Uggs. Huh? Ugg boots. I don't know what that is. It's a type of boot that was popular for a while. Now so that's in a reaction. Lacked relatability. An Ugg is as good as a laugh. But it's interesting that in different... Well, for example, here's another thing. Mm. You know, we, we grew up in Guatemala, middle school and high school. And when I came back to the U.S., I had missed a bunch of... I realized very quickly that I didn't understand the humor of the people around me. Yeah. And I found out that most of the humor was them referencing movies. Yes. And I realized how much of American humor is driven by movie quotes. Yeah. So at the time, uh, the, the big movie was um, The Mask by Jim Carrey and everybody'd be like smoking and everybody'd laugh and I'm thinking what the heck is he talking about like I don't even know and then I watched the movie and I'm like no that's what they're referring to mm-hmm. so so much so much humor in the US I think I'd say so much of our culture in general like I, I'm constantly having to educate uh, my wife because she's never seen the Star Wars movies and I have to say that's a what? reference from she Star Wars hasn't she Star hasn't Wars. seen Star Wars and she has no that? desire to she hates uh, sci-fi movies so she Star will Wars not watch Star Wars sci-fi it's real life <laughs> Star Wars is life yeah so there's a well yeah so then like may the force be with you if you haven't watched that no movie, concept or Luke I am your father I mean you realize the majority of our of our, our culture is, is quoting Napoleon Dynamite Mean Girls Star Wars like there's a few key movies that if you yeah. haven't seen them you're probably not going to get a lot of jokes and that's really interesting that certain movies are really what set the pace for what makes something or what's funny? Like the what's that one back? I live down in the river by. Well, that was an SNL. That was by a river. Or yeah, Chris Farley from an SNL. Yeah, yeah. Because back that? in the day, Chris, yeah. the uh, SNL, they used to set a lot of that, didn't they? Yeah, they did for sure. That was back in the glory days. In with, the glory days, with Will, Will Ferrell and all those guys, right? Yeah, I haven't watched SNL, and I yeah. still watch it pretty religiously. Uh, man, I'm in bed by nine. So. You, there's this thing that they make called uh, DVR, which is phenomenal. Dude, I don't believe in that stuff. It's all voodoo. <laughs> it's all voodoo. Digital voodoo recording. It's digital voodoo. Well, voodoo is a different service, but. <laughs> so humor is an interesting thing. I'm still trying to learn what what's funny, what's not, and then again, in certain contexts, it just doesn't work. Well, I mean, I think I think really humor comes down to those six things. I've, I've again, every time that I think about a joke. And I analyze it based on that. It does have something to do with that. That those, those six elements combining them. Mm. Another one of my favorite uh, jokes. This one I actually made up. Is um, it's a pun, so it's bad. But um, how does a wildcat like a steak cooked? Rare. And you have to swipe your hand across like a claw, slicing into a piece of meat. So that would not translate in writing. 
It doesn't. It but it it, it works because it's 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 bizarre. It's clever, and uh, I think it's. I think that's it. It's bizarre and clever, so that that, that works. Recognizable, maybe. Yeah. Because who doesn't like what a rare? Is, yeah, I didn't ask you what qualifies as bizarre. Oh yeah, so bizarre. Well, bizarre would be like an animal talking. Oh or yeah, you said that. Something right. that's two things, two unrelated things that are put together. Um, and there's actually I, we can link up the. There's an article on uh, Scott Adams's uh, website where he talks about how to write for humor, and that's he talks about the six elements. He actually gives a bunch of other tips too. Uh, but man, I mean, actually, when I was thinking, I was I was driving on the way over thinking about Scott Adams. Like he was kind of a trailblazer. Like he came out with this comic strip in 1989 called Dilbert, and it was basically just about offices, about corporations. Like the most boring, life sucking event in most people's lives, he turned into humor, recognizable, recognizable. And I think that's where where the key of it was was so much. He got so much from it because people who worked in, that in-, in those industries, a lot of people. Yet somehow as a kid, I found that hilarious and I didn't work in the industry like that at all. Like I was 12 and I thought Dilbert was the best thing in the world. So it's interesting that it still got through to me. I guess maybe I related to his type of humor, but you've always been a bit prodigious, prodigy like, so maybe that's why. So you would count most of the people in cubicles as prodigies. (laughs) You were thinking, but but that's what makes office space. Well, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, man, he inspired. You got Office Space, that Mike Judge movie. Yeah. You got The Office. And there's so many elements of that movie. Uh, the the, uh, the copy machine that always jams. If you ever worked it's in It's so the relatable. Office, you, uh, yeah, and you just want to take a baseball bat. That movie was 100% relatability if you've ever that's worked true. in an office. If you haven't, it wasn't quite as funny. Yeah. But yeah, that was that was it. But I mean, yeah, so he, he probably inspired... Uh, I mean, this is all conjecture, but that's what we do here. Uh, he inspired, single-handedly inspired Office Space... The Office. There's a new show called Silicon Valley. I think all of that he he paved the way for. So bravo, Scott Scott Adams. Huh. Interesting. That uh, Mike Judge. He's another one that's got his humor is pretty. It's kind of arcane as well. Actually, Mike Judge is the guy who does Silicon Valley, which is an HBO show. Oh. Uh, so he, the Office. He also did that Valley. movie Idiocracy. Idiocracy, which never actually made it to. It has a cult following, though. It does. It's and crazy. there's some people every now and then I hear someone referencing it, and I'm like, eh you've seen that movie hmm. but it's not very common but his humor is like that didn't he do the Texas show yeah he did King of the Hill King of the yeah King of the Hill I think See, he did Beavis and Butthead too another show. <laughs> did he do that that was I think his first his oh. first big one yeah but yeah King of the Hill was a little more uh, a little less uh, out there so Beavis and Butthead which would be all naughty. yeah but there's so much Texas reference in that King of the Hill right I think I yeah saw which I think he's that. from because even uh, even Office Space was filmed in Austin I think it was supposed oh, to be about yeah. an Austin work environment so I think he's from Texas all conjecture here that's what we're about man conjecture, conjecture. well humor's an interesting thing I, I've kind of given up on trying to learn it I think it's just I mean, I think there's some ways you can hone your jokes, like you can figure out how to make them work better. But I, I think to a degree, there's a little bit of magic associated with it, where like any time that you overstudy something, you kind of strangle the life out of it a little bit. Oh, I thought you were talking about like Harry Potter type magic. Oh yes, it requires Alamora, <laughs> which I know all almost all the spells in those movies, so I'm pretty proud of that, dude. Are you bringing demons into my office? I am. <laughs> I brought him. He's right here. Huh. All right. Well, humor's. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see where humor goes in the next few years because I feel like shows, when they start, 
there's actually some good humor, but then maybe it takes off and then they, they get sloppy on the writing and they just decide to go with the profanity or the more base humor. What I find interesting is, is the best shows that I like, and I think the shows that stand the test of time, are the character-based ones, where if you create strong enough characters, all you have to do is let them be themselves and it's going to be funny. So if you think about The Office... You have a character like Dwight Schrute. You didn't really have to be clever. You just had to say, what would Dwight Schrute say in this situation? If you create a real enough character, he's naturally going to be funny. In their idiosyncrasies. Just the, yeah, the, the person, again, that's relatability because like, I know someone like that. And yes, he's a caricature, but I know someone exactly like that. Yeah. And so when he says that, you're like, oh, that's so my friend so-and-so. <laughs> so I, I'm, I, whenever I watch a show, I really look for characters where like they just are themselves and I can automatically know who they are. Again, putting people in boxes, but, um, <laughs> which we talked about last week, but uh, yeah, so I, I think that's I think that's a the powerful device. For, what do you think of comedy. awkward humor? I know a guy that loves awkward, like awkwardness. He thinks it's the funniest thing in the world. I can appreciate it on occasion, but it's not you know my go to. I think uh, it sometimes just makes people feel uncomfortable. Yeah, which of those three? Well, we already decided. What's our, what was our go to on the one of the six? Um, was it uh, the cleverness? Cleverness. We, we are, are pretty clever. Love some pun things. Yes. We're all about fun. So, which, That's what would qualify as a mom joke. A mom like, joke. Mom joke. There's a hashtag mom joke that you can search and, and find some yeah. of the things that we've said. But It's um, probably going to go viral very soon. Very soon. <laughs> Once we get two more listeners. Anyways, I, I, I think we should close off by you telling your favorite joke. Because I, I told you mine. Um, do you have a favorite joke you could share with the, uh, with the listeners? Um... Oh man, my mind went blank. We should have prepped for the show, and I, could have. I we should have. We could have prepped. I can tell another one while you're thinking. Tell another one. I'll think. Um, this is one that's especially bad, and that a lot of people really hate. But I like to say it anyways. Is um, what do you call a dog with dynamite strapped to his chest? <laughs> I know this one. A terrierist. <laughs> that always gets quite a few groans in a speaking Woo! engagement. <laughs> oh, here's one of my favorites. Okay. I actually use this when I'm speaking to, to, to give a really good example. Yeah. Um, there's a lady, she walks into a pet store. There's a beautiful um, bird in the corner. It's a parrot. Yeah. And she goes over to the parrot. Parrot. She looks at it. She says, oh, what a pretty bird. The parrot looks back and says, hey, lady. She says, whoa, hey, parrot. She goes, hey, lady, you're ugly. The lady's just appalled. So she runs to the store owner and says, hey, who taught that bird to say that? The owner says, man, I don't know where he learned that. I am so sorry, but that will never happen again, ma'am. So the lady walks out, and uh, the owner goes to the pet, pet the bird and grabs it, reaches in the cage, grabs it by the neck, pulls it out. There's feathers going everywhere and holds the bird and says, if you ever call that lady ugly again, I will wring your neck. I will finish you. The bird's just terrified, so he puts the bird back in. Animal cruelty. Yeah. It, oh, yeah, there you go, animal cruelty. So he puts the bird back into the cage. And the bird uh, is just shaking, you know. Well, a couple of days pass, and the same lady walks back in the store. And the bird sees her and kind of ducks his head. And the lady looks at the bird, kind of scowls at it. And she walks past the bird, and the bird goes, hey, lady. She says, what? He goes, you know. <laughs> that's a good one, right? You know, really, that's the exact same joke, basically, as my checkout one, which we we also like is cruelty. <laughs> It is right. It's about something ugly. Hey, you're ugly. Yeah, which is interesting. Our favorite jokes are not about cleverness, even though we rely on cleverness uh, almost exclusively. Does that mean we have low-grade humor? We have low-grade humor. <laughs> Meanness, cruelty. 
Well, I think that's a good place to end today. Yes. It's been real. It's been, it has been.